It does not help to compare our grief to that of another. What is important is being able to name it and not try and contain it. Welcome to the Renovare Podcast, a place for honest conversations about interactive life with God. I'm Nathan Foster, and my guest today is Phil Anderson. Professionally, Phil's an author, speaker, pastor, and spiritual director. But to me, he's a dear friend whose thoughtful presence always helps me slow down a little, to be a little more reflective. And somewhere in the midst of our conversations, I often find my imagination tickled with the goodness of God. Grief. This sometimes agonizing and bewildering emotion that seems to be an inescapable part of the human experience. Now today, some of you need a break from reality to laugh and play good. If so, you might want to save this one for another day, as what follows is a beautiful and moving exploration of grief, our individual and collective experiences, and how in following the examples of Jesus, we might respond. And then in the midst of grief, we just might find an invitation to grow. I chatted with Phil over Zoom from his home in North Carolina. I'm glad we get to talk again. Oh, me too. It's always, always a gift. It's mutual. Mutual. Um, grief. What's going on with grief? You know, I've been thinking since this pandemic began that one of the most dominant features of it is um, we're all in the same boat together. I don't believe it's possible that there's anyone in the world who hasn't experienced the loss of something or someone. Mm -hmm. Like what? What would be some losses that, and then for some, maybe not even aware that there's grief going on. Yes. Yes. People have lost jobs. They've lost their freedom to move about, to go where they want to go. People have uh, lost people they love. Uh, There's been the loss of education, at least the way it was being delivered, loss of income. And so I think we're all grieving. Hmm. And as you you noted, um, some are probably acutely aware. Uh, It's unmistakable. but uh, there's probably a lot of denial. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it, you know, shows up in irritability, <laughs> um, frustration, anger, depression, anxiety. I think as this thing continues on, more people are becoming aware mm-hmm. and ready for it to be over. <laughs> Oh, yes. Yeah. I th- there is a fatigue. And, and I think um, 
you know, some of that fatigue is because we're having to adapt to new ways of, of uh, we're, we're trying every way we can to live the life we were living before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we're having to find new ways to go about that. And uh, so, um, you know, I'm spending most of my days on Zoom calls. And it's not that I'm working more hours, but, man, I'm more tired. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that, that I'm needing a little more sleep than I used to. Yeah. I read a, a piece where it was talking about how you, you, we've got three crises of sorts, the health crisis, the economic crisis, uh, and, and then a social. And I don't think I'd given as much credit to that, but it went on to say, like, you know, this the act of going out to a restaurant and, you know, dining with a spouse or friend is not just about going out, but it's about, you know, the experience. It's about the... Uh, the meaning behind it and kind of a, a time of celebration or indulgence, a hope. So it's not just that we lost, you know, sitting on the patio with a, with a spouse or a friend. One of the phrases when I was in grad school, this phrase actually, I can say it changed my life. Very simple phrase, but it ties into what you were saying. Um, and here's the phrase, feelings always come out. Right, so it's going to come out in tears or anger yeah. or, uh, you know, healthy ways or you're going to get sick or you're going to cranky or anxious or whatever. Um, yeah. What can people do in a healthy way? And are there spiritual implications to how we process grief, whether it's big or small, it's collective grief? Boy, the first thing that came to me, um, it, it will come out, but if we push it down, it comes out sideways. Right, right. The beach ball. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, and when it comes out that way, um, it, it's confusing to everyone around us, but as well to ourselves. Uh, you know, if I push down a feeling of sadness and it comes out as anger, uh, you know, my wife might ask me, why are you angry? And my most honest answer is, I, I don't know. I don't really believe that's what it is. Um, mm-hmm. It really is better for everyone to um, to let it come out for what it really is, to let what we're really experiencing and that's why I think it's good to be talking about grief, because um, I, I suspect there are a lot of people who who might even hear this conversation and realize, wow, that's what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I think we associate grief so much with the, with with death, which um, it it is about death. But um, it's not just the uh, the death of a of a living person, or perhaps an animal, or even a plant. Uh, it, it it can be um, the the death of um, 
our dreams, our hopes. It can be uh, the death of life as we've known it. It can be any kind of an object, any event, any relationship, a job, a title, a savings account, even even our expectations, our hopes die. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think there's just been um, an, an epidemic of losses. I read something recently that likened this to an inflammation. Okay. Because in so many ways, I think um, grief is like an injury to the soul. And it, it causes inflammation when, you know, when you sprain an, uh, uh, an ankle. Um, it, it, it causes inflammation. Um, I think that's a good metaphor. Our souls are inflamed. Hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what do we do with that? Hmm. What can we do with that? You know, I had a friend um, who recently died. I've been grieving the loss for now of that friendship, and it's led me back to what um, I learned years ago about the stages of grief. Mm, sure. It's helpful. Denial, anger, bargaining, um, de- depression, acceptance. Uh, you know, they're 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 lined up in such a, a neat order. <laughs> <laughs> they don't work neatly. <laughs> no, they don't. It's 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 not um, that linear kind of thing. Um, they're kind of cyclical. Yeah. Um, I'm sitting here now. Um, reflecting on the loss of this friendship and it's in the context of the loss of many other things hmm. i mean there there are a collection <laughs> of losses um and so it's it's uh, it's only natural uh reasonable to think that um our grief is far more substantial. With this individual dying, it comes yes. with more than just his death, right? The- yeah, yeah. And so there's a, a bit of a, almost a snowball effect. You know, the snowball is um, small at the top of the hill, but um, we've been going downhill now for a while mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, collecting uh, more and more losses. Mm-hmm. You know, I've lost my way of doing the work that I do. Right. I, I'm, I'm doing the same work, but all of it's being done differently. Um, I, I haven't hugged my granddaughters in six weeks. Wow. I've never gone more than a week or two. Well, knowing you, that is a significant grief. <laughs> it's huge. It, it's it's huge, and and you know, for people who who um, might be in a position to say, I, I don't relate. Uh, I'm still working, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm still eating. I'm st- I'm still doing. I, I would say to that person, um, the quest- question is not, will you experience it? Um, the, the question is, 
how you're going to respond to it. I don't think there's uh, any escaping it mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I get people's um, pull to denial of sorts and, and yeah. there's a maybe a collective denial going, but as things wear on through the months, we're going to hit some new levels of, I guess, grief might be the word. Yeah. I, th- I think it's a good word. And I think, you know, um, I've talked with lots of people who are upbeat and they don't want to be grieving. And and so they're pretending they're not. Right. I understand. I mean, no one wants to be, uh, you know, down. So what I, I hear in those conversations, if they yield at all, if they give in to the notion that perhaps a little bit of grief exists, there's still this minimizing the losses. Mm-hmm. You know, um, well, at least I still have my life. Or at least I still have is kind of the mantra. Right. And these are and I, coping. That's, yeah. And, and, and I get that. And I don't want to call that bad. Mm-hmm. But, um, boy, I, I, I think we, we burn a lot of energy trying to contain it. Right. Well, and when it comes out sideways, it it often creates its own problems. Indeed. Uh, You know, we wonder then, why am I so tired all the time? Mm -hmm. Or irritable? Or why do I sometimes feel depressed? Right. I've watched these last few years, Phil, you've had a lot of, it's been a lot of death. Yeah. in In your life. Where is Jesus... In our grief, big or small? Yeah. Um, Always in the middle. (laughs) that, That is always where I find him. Um. He he is so courageous, <laughs> and um, and yet so tender-hearted, and so welcoming. You know, I I will sit with you, and if you want to talk, I'll listen, and. If you want me to speak and you're willing to listen, but we don't have to talk. Mm -hmm. It's an understatement, I believe, to say that God is is near the brokenhearted. Uh, Nearer than the brokenhearted person's next breath. What about when my awareness of that nearness feels gone. That's a that's such a hard place to be. You know, we are made for uh, relational connection. Yeah. A- and not the least when we're suffering. And so my hope for every person who experiences a sense of the loss of God's nearness 
is that there would be other people, at least another person. Right. We need to be able to name to another person what it is we feel, what it is we fear. We need a place to go with that. Someone to share the load of our grief. I think Jesus often disguises himself in other people. That's been my experience. There have been times when shame has prevented me from being able to go to Jesus. But I've got to go somewhere. And so I wind up going to uh, a person I trust. And sometimes it's not until later, looking back, I realize he got me. <laughs> <laughs> he can't help himself. He he disguises himself in, in the lives of others. And, and he was there after all. Mm. You know, if we turn inward and don't share the load with someone, it's, it's too much. Yeah, we were we were made to share the load, mm-hmm. and that goes both ways. You know, we we were made to share other people's loads. Mm-hmm. What do you do with your grief? Well, I I I I, I deny it. <laughs> um, I get angry and I play the blame game I um, deny it some more <laughs> uh, you know it's a range um, when I'm responding in a healthy way I uh, enter into it because I think grief is the kind of thing that you you, you can't you can't go around it. You can't you can't get over it. You know, you've got to go through what you're going through. One of my greatest concerns for me and for everyone I love is that uh, we would never waste a, a crisis. Hmm. You know, there's just there's so much energy. That's why it, it, it leaves us so weary so exhausted sometimes Mm -hmm. but to get through it we have to go through it and so to not waste it but to leverage it Uh, looking back on my life and and looking into the lives of people i've known intimately it it always winds up i mean this it seems trite but i I don't know other words um, describe it better than these you either wind up bitter or better. Mm-hmm. And when I think I think of the people that I admire most, they're often people who've suffered perhaps more than most. And um, the people I admire most are, are people who have, in a, in a way, seems silly or strange to say, taken advantage of. Perhaps a better way to say is they've, They've trusted God and perhaps themselves a bit too. Mm-hmm. And others. And others. Yeah. To journey through it. It's it's a 
it's not unlike the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness and for 40 years, I might add. Because <laughs> uh, grief has its own timetable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I found everybody's a little different in the ways they process and that going through it looks a little different for everybody. When you're intentionally letting it be there, you know, taking that time and there's a luxury of sorts to have the time to face whatever, whether it's a big or small grief, what does that look like practically to go into the grief? Well, you just mentioned something I think is really important to note. I think grief, it's unique to you. Uh, Just as our thumbprint is unique, so is our grief. It does not help to compare our grief to that of another. What is important is being able to name it and not try and contain it. Uh, you know, Ignatius uh, talked about how, how until we name the things that hold us sometimes captive, we'll never be free. And so the acknowledgement of our grief is really essential. When we name our grief, it creates space to rediscover joy. Uh, you ask, what do I do? Well, that's some of it. I I'm keeping a journal these days, mm-hmm. a, um, a grief and gratitude journal. Okay. And um, each day I'm taking some time, which let me emphasize, uh, it takes time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's got to be some intentionality. There's a, a deliberate choice. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I'm trying to take time th- three times a day. Wow. To uh, just go sit on our deck and uh, listen, to give my soul an opportunity to, to speak. Mm-hmm. And also inviting God to, to speak to my soul. And it's been very helpful so far to reflect on what is the nature of my grief? What am I grieving? Mm-hmm. I miss my friend Tripp. Um, I, I don't want to be held hostage to that grief. I, uh, and so there's some, something, something about naming it that frees me yeah. to then begin to... Uh, Flip the page to to the things that I'm grateful for, and and they're, they're, they they dance together. They're like partners. Um, so much of my grief is tied to my gratitude. You know, I'm I'm so grateful for the years of friendship, uh, for all the laughter, the hugs, the Wide-eyed grins. Uh, somehow the grief um, puts me in touch with the gratitude. 
I think I think sometimes it's surprising. You know, well, why haven't I been able to get past this? We, um, why can't I move on? Well, probably has something to do with who you are <laughs> and the mystery of your uniqueness. And that's not a bad thing. It is not. It's a it's a beautiful thing. I also think this is true, and I'm becoming aware of this. Uh, so my dad died a few years ago, and I thought I was done with grieving his his death. Other folks, you mentioned that I've, I mean, in the time we've known each other, I've experienced some very significant, um, the death of some significant people in my life, my friend Brennan. And sometimes it surprises me that a, a more recent cause for grief, maybe the grief that I'm feeling now, maybe the weight of it is due to losses sustained at other times. Hmm. Snowball? Yeah. There it is again. So, and, and, and perhaps even things that are unresolved. And this sort of forces them again uh, to the surface. Uh, I think it's also really important, as I'm dealing with my grief, to listen to other people. To not get so absorbed in mm-hmm. my own that there's no space for listening to others. That's right. And in, in those, you know, those occasions... Uh, the thing that I have to be careful to do is not, not fall into that trap that I mentioned earlier of comparing mine to, mm-hmm. to others. Uh, mine is mine. Theirs is theirs. There's something healing about sharing that. Oh, goodness, yes. I think that is part of how we heal. I think of the uh, the two on their way home to Emmaus, and they are deep in their grief. And seems suddenly they're joined by another, and and uh, the other invites them to continue. Face the grief. Yeah, tell me what is this, and that awakening that they experienced uh, later in the day is what happens. So helpful to me is knowing that Jesus knows. Jesus understands grief. He's not afraid of it. He knows the the grief that is experienced when a friend dies. He knows how to weep at at a friend's grave. His own grief was deeply personal and it was global. He he knew how to grieve uh, for the loss of a friend, but he he also knew how to grieve over a city, (laughs) how to grieve over a nation. He knows how to grieve for the world, and not just the world, but for all of creation, Hmm. for what lies beyond our sight, for for everything in Hmm. creation. And so he welcomes our grief. He wants to hear it so he can heal it. You once shared with me a really helpful picture of what may have been behind Jesus' tears in losing his friend, Lazarus. Do you remember this? 
I'm not sure I recall, but I can tell you what comes to mind now. Um, might be the same thing I said then. <laughs> might not. The puzzling thing to me has always been he knows what he's getting ready to do. He knows. Right. And yet there are tears. Jesus, you know, why are you crying? And I think in that existential moment, he's, he's weeping for his friend Lazarus, but it's bigger than that. I think he's weeping with uh, the Trinity. This is not what we had in mind. When, when we put life in motion, when we created this grand universe and put living things in place, death was not our plan. And I think he wept because of uh, the horrible, disruptive nature of death. Mm-hmm. I remember standing with an elderly gentleman beside the casket of his son, who was not a young man in his early 60s. And, and uh, I remember his tears in him saying, this son of mine lived more life in his 60-some years than most people would if they lived 120-some <laughs> years. But it still seems so wrong. A father shouldn't have to bury their son. And those are haunting words. I can imagine God, the Father, saying the same thing. Just has no place. But the glorious thing that I know occurs, I know this. It's my experience. If I will bring my grief to God, if I'll bring it to to others who who are are willing and able to hear it, it, it will not only be healed, Better yet, it's transformed. Hmm. It's transformed into joy. Celebration, does it have a role in grief? Oh, goodness, yes. Yes. And that's why this image is so rich for me of grief and gratitude like partners dancing together. Yeah. In one moment, uh, grief is taking the lead and Next thing you know, gratitude is in the lead. It's a beautiful dance. What is the gratitude in this day? This season, and I'm calling it a season, not denying that normal, once we return to it, might not look like what was normal. This season doesn't define us. It's a season. If we'll be faithful to it, if we'll be in it, not try to just bury our heads until it's over. If we'll um, be as daring as to embrace it, to welcome it, not the virus. I I hate the virus. (laughs) But I believe in it lies a power to transform us into... um, to move closer toward being our best selves. This can be formational. Oh, goodness, in spades. That's why I don't want us to waste it. (laughs) It holds so much potential for transformation. 
I, when I look back on the seasons when there've been there's been real growth in in my life, it, it's typically been a, a, a challenging season when there was something really difficult, you know, to welcome it, to welcome the grief. Mm-hmm. I welcome you. You are a part of my life experience. I welcome you. Come and sit with me. And this is not a movement of being masochistic. This is not a drowning, although it may feel like that. We know what's on the other side, right? Yes, yes. Jesus, um, for the joy that he saw beyond his, his current suffering, endured it. Uh, I think Jesus knew I, I can't get to it till I move through it. <laughs> he was so human. We can endure this because we know someone who has. Mm-hmm. And things far greater. And that does not threaten or challenge his divinity to be experiencing the full range of human emotion. Makes makes his divinity even more endearing. <laughs> there it is. Because I can relate. Yeah. I can relate. He knows. There, there's no shocking God with, uh, with whatever um, my grief is stirring up in me, whether it's uh, the anger, you know, the blaming. Mm-hmm. God's not intimidated. (laughs) Isn't that one of the biggest barriers is that some of the things that come up for people, they have this incredible judgment. You know, I I shouldn't feel this or I shouldn't. It's not helpful. Not helpful. (laughs) Not helpful. Bill, this was helpful. Thank you, friend. Well, I, it has been for me. It really has. I, I just thought of something, um, that means the world to me. Someone along the way said, angels fly not because they have wings, but because they have seen God. <laughs> and uh, my spirits lift when I've seen God. And so if I get stuck in the grief, that's a problem. But my grief takes flight in a way. Yeah. When in gratitude, uh, when in that welcoming even the grief, but catch a glimpse of God. That was Phil Anderson. I encourage you to visit journeyresources.org where you can find out more about Phil, his writing, and practice as a spiritual director. Oh, and you'll want to get on his email list. I love the prayers he sends. Renovare is a Christian ecumenical renewal effort which offers resources and experiences to help people become more like Jesus. You can find articles and other resources at our website, renovare.org. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. We love hearing your questions and thoughts. Email podcast at renovare.org or tweet at renovare. This podcast is produced by Brian Morcon, who also wrote the opening song titled Be Kind. Other music is by Lee Rosevere. 
I'm Nathan Foster, and you've been listening to the Renovare Podcast.